life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for Life Links with the DL Link every Thursday at midday. There is a warrior inside each of us. Life Links is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Professor Wolfgang Preiser, Professor and Head at Division of Medical Virology, Department of Pathology, Faculty of Medicine and Health Sciences at Stellenbosch University. Um, and Professor Preiser is going to be um, answering those questions for us. So, Professor, welcome and thank you very much for your precious time. We do appreciate it. It's a great pleasure. Good afternoon. So, Professor, as you heard my introduction, you know, the numbers are increasing. The third wave, we know that um, we're starting to to roll out these um, vaccines not nearly fast enough. And this show is dedicated to people who are on their cancer journey, who are on all sorts of treatments and at different stages of the cancer journey. So some who have just been diagnosed, others who are fully in their treatment, and some of those who are in remission. So, um, Professor, what, what do you have to say for people who are along that pathway, on that continuum? How 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 would they be faring in terms of COVID-19? And, and what should they be looking out for? Well, I have to say at the current state of, of affairs uh, with the vaccine rollout gathering pace, but really still a, with a long way to go, um, that the best advice is really to be as careful as possible. Um, I.e., I'm, I'm afraid I don't see an alternative for the next weeks and, and probably months uh, from staying away from, from others as much as possible, um, avoiding crowds, uh, keeping distances, wearing your mask, sanitizing, and so on. So all those things that we've learned to do over the past uh, almost 18 months now, um, because uh, for two reasons, actually. I mean, firstly, a few people will have been vaccinated already. Um, and as, as you know, the, the, the vaccine rollout has started with those, I mean, apart from the healthcare workers, which is, of course, good news. Uh, it's now people uh, 60 years and above. And the idea is that um, many uh, people with comorbidities that put them at higher risk of developing severe COVID uh, would be in that age group. Um, the next group to to be vaccinated are then those between 40 and 60 and, and so on. Um, there has been a decision not to try and earmark uh, people with these, um, uh, you know, conditions that, that predispose them to severe disease uh, because it's very difficult uh, to to de- decide. You know, there is no central database that would allow, um, you know, the, the uh, vaccine rollout guys to, to text them, for example, or to invite them specifically. So it would uh, unleash a whole lot of extra effort to, to try and identify people who might need it who are below 60 but have conditions that place them at higher risk. So um, at, at this stage, I'm afraid... Um, you know, it is it is really the good old trusted measures of of keeping your, yourself as safe as possible, and that of course includes um, screening before uh, hospital admission and so on and so forth. I think we we have some consolation in the fact that many healthcare workers have now been vaccinated, so both the risk of healthcare workers getting the infection from their patients and healthcare workers spreading the infection to their patients. Those risks are much diminished. They are, of course, not zero. We know that these vaccines are not perfect. There are what we call breakthrough infections. So people who have been vaccinated can still become infected under certain circumstances. 
so it's not a, a 100% uh, um, you know sort of safety net that will catch you but it will reduce the risk very market now looking ahead at at the next step and that is when you know let's let's now say uh, fast forward to to october and now we've started vaccinating people uh, 40 and above that includes many people who who have cancer who have diabetes uh, and so on now the problem is that while we know that these groups are particularly vulnerable to developing severe disease um they are also the ones in in whom the vaccine doesn't give the best protection and the reason is that when the immune system is compromised and that can be because of the underlying illness like cancer or diabetes but it could also be due to treatment chemotherapy radiation therapy and so on so both those factors reduce the immune response and that means that the vaccines are not as strong and as effective in these groups as they are in in those who are who are healthy who have no underlying illness and there's just out is is a new study and like so often it's all very hot off the press and not really peer reviewed yet uh, but there's been a study that that tried to give a third dose of the vaccine um with a with a messenger rna vaccine to to people with cancer and it found that that then improves the immunity so there are studies ongoing to look on how one can improve that but for the time being firstly you you do not qualify currently if you are below 60 uh, for vaccination in south africa if you are above 60 you do and you should go try and get it as soon as possible but if you are below 60 you do not yet qualify for it um but even if you did it would not offer you optimal protection yet thank you professor okay so let me just um clarify that so you're saying that for people who are going for treatment at the moment who are currently going for uh chemotherapy or radiation therapy they the, the impact of the vaccine could be affected for those who have finished treatment professor would the same apply that's a good question and i don't think there there is a general answer for that it really depends on the condition and on the treatment given uh, one would expect uh, such patients to remain with an impaired immune system and i think it's the really a treating physician who is the best person to ask as to how much you know of an immune response impairment you you would still have and from when on would you expect it to return to normal um, i think there are so many uh, um, differences here in terms of the treatment given and the underlying condition um, that one can't give a um, an, an answer and of course if, you know even if one knows that maybe i'm not not in a you know in a in a health in a state of health that would allow my immune system to to kick in with a with an optimal response to the vaccine that doesn't mean that if the vaccine is offered i shouldn't take it i mean of okay. course should and even if the efficacy is now lowered let's say from 65% to 45% that's always you know that would still be a a, a big you know improvement compared to not oh. Uh, any immunity it just means and and i think that's my point that whilst you 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 should try and get vaccinated as soon as you qualify uh, for that and and you get your invite um please also remember that uh, you know this is uh, the vaccine is not infallible it it can let you down that happens in otherwise healthy people and it's more likely to happen in people with underlying conditions so please do not let down your guard be as mm-hmm. careful as can be 
And the way out of this is, of course, that in a year from now, hopefully a large proportion of the population at large will have been immunized. And then the risk for somebody whose own immune response to the vaccine is not optimal, so he doesn't have optimal immunity to, to SARS-CoV-2, they will be protected indirectly just because the chance of encountering somebody who is infected and who could infect them is so much reduced. Reduced. Very lucky to have Professor Wolfgang Preiser um, on the show today. He's the professor and head at the Division of Medical Virology, Department of Pathology, Faculty of Medicine and Health Sciences at Stellenbosch University. Um, the professor is just talking about the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccination when it comes to um, cancer patients, um, looking out, looking at when they will be rolled out um, for people right now for 60 and over, but for 60 and under. Um, and the professor just saying, you know, even if you do have an impaired immune system, even if it's not going to be the vaccine isn't going to be as effective, you should still have the vaccine because any kind of protection is good protection. Um, so, Professor, um, just to go back to that, going back to this impaired immune system, and as you said, um, you know, each case is different. Um, it's certainly not a one-size-fits-all, but let's just look at the, tra- the treatment, the cancer treatment, where um, especially chemotherapy, where it does impact the, the immune system. In terms of the immune system recovery, because COVID is all about having a, a, a strong enough immune system to fight it. But in terms of uh, the immune system after chemotherapy, how long does it usually take to recover? And can an immune system recover fully? And how does one support the immune system in recovering? Three big questions. These are difficult questions for a virologist who tends to spend his time in the, oh, the lab running virology tests. So I, I try my best. And I think I I have to sort of um, maybe somewhat disappoint you in that. Again, I think one one can't give an answer that fits all. Uh, Just the conditions are different. And and I mean, the the area where where I do have some experience is, for example, uh, transplantation. So um, let's um, take a a patient who's had a kidney uh, transplant or a liver transplant. They have to stay on immunosuppressive therapy for life. Um, that can be reduced if all goes well, but it's not, you know, in, in most cases it cannot completely be, be left out. So they will have some degree of impaired immunity forever. Uh, if a patient has had a bone marrow transplant, so after, after some forms of leukemia, for example, they uh, end up having, if all goes well, the donors, the bone marrow donors or the stem cell donors immune system. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very complicated so that they won't return to their own state of immunity. They will actually now adopt in a way the donor's state of immunity. And if the donor has not, had not been vaccinated against uh, SARS-CoV-2, they wouldn't have that immunity. Um, and, and there are guidelines from, from the relevant medical specialties on how to, to deal with that. For certain bacterial infections, one um, one does antibiotic treatment, either prophylactically or early therapy as problems arise. There is there are also prophylactic or uh, therapeutic antiviral treatments available for certain things. So it it really very much depends on the on the situation. And I would really recommend speaking uh, to your treating doctor who knows you personally best and also knows what has been given and what to expect from that. 
but to err on the safe side. I mean, not to, to, to run in, into problems. I would really recommend that with, a, with our current knowledge and, and remember, I mean, it feels like ages now, but this, this uh, pandemic has only been with us since, since really March last year. So it, it's actually very new in the greater scheme of things. There's so many things that we are still learning. I still mm-hmm. recall it's quite a miracle that we have several uh, well uh, uh, working and safe vaccines available. We just wish we had more of them available. I mean, more doses, but you know, it's, 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 it's absolutely unprecedented that within less than a year, you know, the, the world managed to come up with vaccines against the dangerous infection. So, you know, a lot has been achieved, but there are numerous questions that we still need to answer. So one of them is, how best to provide immunity for people with an impaired immune response. And it may involve all sorts of tricks. Maybe certain types of the vaccines work better under certain circumstances. Maybe we need to do a mix and match, i.e. you get one dose of the one and another dose of another vaccine. All these things are currently being studied, but it's it's very early days. And, you know, throughout this pandemic, we've seen how great it is to get these results from these trials and studies out very early, but on the other hand, it means it's often, you know, really uh, hot off the press and not peer-reviewed, which is the mechanism where other scientists in the same field look at it and, you know, judge whether this is really original and whether it is valid and whether the conclusions are supported by the data. So there is inevitably an element of, of hype in here and certain things uh, look right now, but may still turn out to, to be different uh, in the long run when others try and repeat it. So, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tricky situation to be in. So what we do know is that um, you have certain uh, conditions that increase the risk of when you get infected of then developing severe disease, that vaccination is not a hundred percent successful thing, so it, it can fail. You you may be left, despite being vaccinated, you may be left with insufficient immunity. But we know how to protect ourselves from the infection, and of course, we now have tests available, screening tests that can be done quickly. And I think um, clinical settings have really learned how to deal with this. We do a lot of admission tests where patients are admitted to hospital, need to be screened to avoid somebody who may have uh, infection, either apparent or even inapparent infection, ending up and infecting other patients. That's one big worry, of course, particularly on on wards uh, with immunocompromised patients. Uh, so we've learned a lot on how to do that. So it's really up to everybody to, to try and, and apply all these things as best they can in order to stay safe. And in a year from now, I think you'll be looking also here in South Africa, so many people in the population at large will have been vaccinated that one's chances of becoming infected in, in daily life when going shopping or when going to a restaurant or so on will be so diminished that we can really f- start feeling safe again, even if one's own immunity is not perfect. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to also show the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't think this is now uh, the situation forever. It's certainly uh, a double blow to have a, a serious clinical condition that needs treatment um, uh, now and in the context of a pandemic. I mean, that is, is not easy and, and you know, it's, it, it's hit us hard in, in many ways and 
this is of course a very uneasy position to be in. But uh, my 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 appeal is to you know to to treat yourself as a vulnerable person, be as careful as one can be, um, do without certain things, and even if it is painful, do not go and see the or don't invite the grandchildren. Uh, from school because, you know, to, to, to minimize the risk of infection mm-hmm. via Zoom and so on. For mm-hmm. one longer, um, in a year from now, I'm quite confident that things will look very different and much brighter. Oh, from your mouth to God's ears, Professor, and sound um, advice really to everybody. I mean, these are tough times and we do want to see people that we love. But if you, especially if you are going for treatment and your immune system is, um, you know, weakened because of it, all of us need to be careful, but especially careful. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so lovely um, having you on the show. And uh, I'm hoping that we're going to speak again in a few months from now and it's going to be a lot of good news and there's a turnaround let's hope a great pleasure thank you